Welcome to Duck Podcast, Episode 3, ABCHD, HDD, and ATSC. Welcome back to the Duck Podcast here on uh, HTR Networks. Uh, so I'm here today with, with Kevin Lau. Hello. Yeah, hi. <laughs> Um, we haven't been doing a show for about a month now, but uh, we've been pretty busy doing getting school started start up again. And uh, but we are sounding a bit better today. Um, we've got some new equipment here. Uh, I just bought an M Audio Firewire 410, so everything's going pipe through that right now. So it's pretty cool. Uh, and hopefully our quality's a bit better today. Yeah. So, so today, I'm, already, I'm running out of a really quiet room, which is like no other equipment in it. So hopefully that'll reduce the noise that's coming from my end. Yeah, I've actually got my mic on a tripod, so I won't be touching it. And it's through an XLR cable, so it's grounded. And it's on top of a sponge at my uh, mouse level. So it's it's even when I move my mouse, you aren't able to hear it. So it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh so today on our topics today, the first thing I thought we'd talk about is the AVC HD camcorders coming out here in October, and then we'd move on to some iMovie stuff, and of course the new iPods. Uh, so is there anything you want to talk about that before we get started? No, nah, not really. <laughs> Unless you want to talk about our your Firewire box. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, yesterday, we actually tried to start an episode, and things started exploding, but I think it was just because I was tired and not thinking well and not hooking up stuff properly. Um, but it's worked pretty well. It's uh, If you use properly grounded XLR cable, you get really nice sound out of it, I think. And, yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. So it appears on your computer is like, a m- multiple audio input devices, I.O. device today. Yeah, basically, um, there's an option. You have an M audio device control, and then that so it goes, you know, box driver, which is, and then the M audio control, and then the core audio of OS 10. So you uh, you sort of get to virtualize it before it even hits the operating system. So the nice thing about that is your control it's actually controlling the hardware device so you're you're able to send monitors back and all that from directly in hardware so that's really great um are you able to use it without the uh, m audio software um i haven't tried i actually installed the m audio software before i even got it uh so i didn't haven't tried it without it but i'm guessing not because it's a pretty advanced little thing so are you able to change the dials remotely, or is that still physical? Uh, all the dials... Well, there's one dial, and it's actually, like, control... You can select a bolt, so it's it's just sort of a plus-minus dial that you can increase whatever you want or decrease. Like, you, it's selectable in software. The rest is all just hardware-controlled. But there is, like, faders and a mixer built into the, dev- to, into the control panel. Mm, so... Does it work standalone as well? Uh, yes, it does, actually. It will do MIDI through, if that's what you mean by standalone. Sure. <laughs> okay. Moving on to ABCHD. Right. So um, for our school, we're, we're hoping of getting a video team going, and we're going to try to get a new iMac. Uh, 
the video team actually does a bunch of different stuff. They do it for all the different groups. Um, and so the teacher in charge was sort of getting pretty disappointed because it's like they really don't want to buy us any new equipment. And, you know, he's sort of saying, well, if we're not going to get the equipment, there's really no point doing it because it's just sort of like, you know, it's a big hassle. It was a lot of work when I did the video this year. So once he said that, all all the ears of all the other departments that use our services started perking up and they're like, oh, you know, yeah. oh, you're not going to be doing videos. You know, what are we going to do? So all the sports teams and the link crew and every, everything, they're sort of like, oh, well, we'll pitch in some money. So they're going to be pay- throwing in, you know, a couple thousand bucks each and hopefully we're going to get some equipment for this year. Uh, so we're going to get a new iMac, hopefully. And one of the things that we're looking into is is what video cameras we should be getting into. I'm sort of thinking it's a really bad time to be buying a camcorder right now. Uh, we're in transition between SD and HD. There's all these different standards up in the air, and everybody's doing their own little thing, whether it be onto SDHC cards or... Uh, hard drives, or, media. Uh, yeah, hard drives, or or uh, even Blu-ray and HD DVD discs, or just DVDs. So it's really to, it's hard to say. Well, this device is going to be the standard, or this codec is going to be the standard. Um, but this fall, there's going to be a ton of these ABC HD camcorders coming out. So, Kevin, do you have any? Do you have a few specs on those? Um, well, as we know, like, ABCHD is based on MPEG-4, which is sort of H.264 intermixed in with that. Right, and and uh, it's important to note that MPEG-4 uh, isn't necessarily H.264. Mm-hmm. But, like, right now, the advantages of ABCHD is that it offers, like, better c- compression compared to the MPEG-2 that most other camcorders are using at this moment. Right, and so uh, Kevin has actually bought the uh, one of the JVC models that runs on hard drive, and we're a bit disappointed because it encodes in this sort of proprietary .tod format. Uh, it's in MPEG... Well, it, it, it stands for time-ordered data. Right. And... Basically, on your camera, it's 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 encoding it on the fly onto the hard drive. So it's not just like we can finalize the file when we're done because it never knows when you're done. So it has to encode an MPEG transport stream, except on a file, which is something that you usually use program streams for. So the, in the middle of this, JVC sort of created the Todd files, the time order data file. To get MPEG TS on an MPEG TS type file. So basically, after you get it off the camera, you're supposed to convert it into the program stream file that your computer accepts. Now, normally, without extra codecs or applications or handlers to have, like, uh, your computer won't handle transport stream files properly. Now, this is. Similar. If you have a if you have an HDTV tuner card on your computer and you're recording something, it will also be in transport because that's what the that that's what the ATSC standard uses. Right, um, and so 
uh, basically, any time you bring in that footage from your hard drive camcorder onto your computer, you have to convert it through some means. Um, and I'm learning as I've been doing a bit of research about these cameras is that it's almost unavoidable. You almost always have to use an intermediate codec um, between your camera and then editing. You'll probably have to convert it. And then once you export, you're probably going to use a different codec once again. So I guess that's sort of life, and I guess that's why you want a good quality high-speed computer when you're doing anything with video. Um, but what I thought, what I think that's really great is this AVCHD that it's based on H.264, which I personally think is, you know, the next codec that will be used everywhere. Um, because I'm an Apple guy. <laughs> uh, I think it's pretty great, and it's going to be neat to just be able to unplug these SD cards from your camcorder and play them right back on on whatever you have around the house that plays H.264. So so basically you're, you're saying that AVCHD will be similar to your current digital cameras which can record short video clips and then put them into video files which you can immediately use on your computer without any kind of conversion or anything. Right, and and to an extent, those aren't standardized either. There's a lot of AVIs out there, but then there's also a lot of cameras that just record in M MOV, uh, the QuickTime format, mo Motion JPEG, or whatever it may be. Um, I think that AVCHD may become the JPEG of the uh, still ca still digital camera world. I mean, this it's this very well could be just sort of the standard format. Now, I forgot to mention is that iMovie 08 can take this AVCHD format and edit it right unconverted. I've been sort of getting mixed reports from the forums online, but that's what I understood from what Steve told me. Steve Jobs, of course. Uh, he said <laughs> that that basically you can just you can edit right even out of the these new AVCHD camcorders. So I don't know if that works or not. I really would love to try one out. Um, and we might be getting some for our school pretty soon. So, of course, using that as a segue into my next little thing, um, I want to talk about iMovie, and I was actually just playing with it today, iMovie. Um, I played with it a little bit when I got it. I wasn't very impressed, but I'm starting to sort of appreciate what it's for. Um, they dropped a lot of the big features like effects and everything else, but I'm beginning to think that it would be it's really good for just choosing the order and um, sequence of what you want to do. Um, one of the coolest features is this export to Final Cut XML feature. Um, basically, you can assemble, you can import all your footage into iMovie 08, assemble it, and you can keep it organized in iMovie 08, just like you would in iPhoto, which to me is very important because I like having stuff a little organized, very nice little categories and everything. Um, and it lets you find footage that you need really quickly because you can tag stuff and say, this is my favorite footage, blah, blah, blah. And organize it in iMovie 08. Um, make quick timelines, so just use that great feature of selectable movie text sort of thing. Um, drag it into, I guess they don't really call it the timeline anymore, but uh, whatever they call it. Um, throw it in that area there, and then you just hit Export to Final Cut Express or Final Cut XML. You open that Final Cut Express, it finds all the video files that you just put in, and it gives you a nice timeline. So it's a great way to start a movie project, or if you just need to, you know, do this really, really quickly, it works really well. One of the great features, of course, is the um, 
is the Ken Burns effect. They've really improved that in iMovie 08. I think this could be one of my new favorite tools, considering that it works so well with Final Cut Express. I can easily make this into a bigger project if I need to. What do you think? Well, <clears throat> it's interesting that Final Cut uses XML to store its metadata before the final encode. Is that right? Well, basically, I mean, you have the video files for those those listeners that don't really understand how uh, this works. Basically, you have your raw footage and then an XML file specifying um, the parts of the, that the, the, that video file that you want to put into a timeline. And then when you render it, it takes all those video files and put it into one full sequence. Um, I'm pretty sure what what it looked like to me when you open the XML file, it sort of asks you, okay, I'm going to import this. Is that okay? So it's more of a just a instruction set that it's sending to Final Cut Express. When you actually save a Final Cut project, it's not saving um, the XML. Uh, it's saving a dot Final Cut or whatever it is. Um, but I think most of it is probably XML based. Um, of course, the Final Cut project is not the same as a Final Cut, what you're exporting. What you're exporting from iMovie 08 is probably just more of a timeline because a Final Cut project can have as many timelines as you want or probably just limit, but um, lots of timelines and then, or sequences, of course, is what they call them, and a bunch of media and, and you keep them in bins and everything. So it's it's quite, um, what you're importing with the XML is more of a, of a sequence more than anything. So it's just a, a single sequence, whereas the project can handle multiple sequences. And right, and but, it lets you organize things. And it, say, like, if you um, you open a project and you move the viewer window over by a few pixels, it'll require a save. Like, it, everything you do is 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 recorded in that Final Cut project. So if your viewer window is over on your right monitor and in, in a certain spot, it'll actually remember where it is and everything. So that that's one of the good things. Yeah, that's that that's how it is with a lot of other software. Right, and so that's it, Premiere course, Pro that's, does that too. Right, it's all it's all inside that that project file. So I just thought I'd mention that. That's really cool. Um, and apparently, even the AVCHD goes through iMovie and then right into Final Cut Express pretty well. So that's really good. I'm looking forward to trying out the new iMovie with Final Cut Express on this new iMac that we'll be able to get. Of course, I can do it on my computer right now, but, you know, it's a MacBook. It has the GMA 950. <laughs> but the, the thing about the current cameras is that they're like, it's in the middle of this transition period, as we said, and... Like, there's no real standard for everything. So basically, your machines still have your your compatibility mode where it just acts like a standard HTV device. And then there's a USB port where it can, you can try out the new or what they think is a good idea. Right, and, that. and that's, that's a really nice feature of most of these cameras is they have a firewire port so that you can virtualize having a tape inside the camera and playing it back. Um, so that if you do have software that doesn't support the new codecs or doesn't support having just a mass storage device that you're hucking on your computer and then taking the video files out, that you can virtualize that in most of these, most of these models. I just wanted to mention that in October is when most of these AVCHD camcorders are coming out, or the second generation, if you want to call it. Um, uh, Panasonic has one now, and they're releasing a new one in October. They actually have five models 
right now that's supporting AVCHD. Right, right. But the 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 hard drive SD. I'm, I guess I sort of associate AVCHD with using SD cards. Um, the SD card model right now uh, is being upgraded to a different sensor and everything. So that's pretty neat. Um, so now on to one of our big news stories for the past month, I guess, uh, is the Apple event on whenever it was, the 15th, or that was the... Uh, I have no idea when it was. I can't remember anymore. But I do know... Is it, it actually really called the Apple event? No, it's just the fall Apple media event. That's usually what they call it. Of course, it's only media people that get to go. Uh, so here's what they released. They upgraded the whole iPod line. Basically, new colors from the iPod Shuffle, new iPod Nanos that um, play video and are very small and are fat. Um, <laughs> the they they upgrade they moved the iP the traditional iPod down to an iPod Classic is what they call it now, which I think fits it. I I've been waiting to call it iPod Classic for a while, so that's pretty cool. Um, and of course, they upgraded that. They bumped that up to eighty gigs and one hundred and sixty gigs, which is actually really neat because they're really packing these brand new hard drives, really high density, into those little iPods. It's pretty cool. Uh, and they released iPhone minus phone, also known as the iPod Touch. So, or you call it the iTouch. The iTouch, right? I actually have that listed in my show notes right here. Um, basically, it's got it's uh it's eight millimeters thin, which I was, you know, exploding at Kevin the day it was released. Do you know how? Do you know how thick eight millimeters is? That's so thin. Um, so yeah, eight <laughs> yeah, millimeters. That was very awkward. It's it, yeah, I love um, the iPod Touch. It has Wi-Fi, um, so you can use. It has Safari. Um, doesn't have mail, and it doesn't have uh, what was the, other, the widgets and stuff. But of course, this whole device is running the same. <laughs> to quote. Um, <laughs> there is some. I, apparently, there's some Apple engineers is the same damn binaries. Uh, that are running on this iPod Touch. So I can imagine that in about one hour after they release the iPod Touch, it's coming out in September 28th, that the hackers will figure out a way just to copy over the, the programs from the iPhone to the iPod Touch. Because it's basically the same device without the without the phone radio and, and the applications. Um, I, guess, I guess Apple sort of listened to what people generally had to say about the iPhone... Especially how, like, with the vendor lock-in and all that. Right. It's it's really great. And and uh, one article I read on Dig was that um, Apple was really giving some, was basically saying, was giving this big middle finger to all the telcos that basically um, they're sick of working with AT and T and they want customers to enjoy their product without having to do deal with telephone companies and all that. Um, and they foresee that Apple may even get a chunk of that 700 megahertz band and use it as whatever they want. And I think Apple would do well as a as a telephone company if they could. Um, what was I going to say about the iPod Touch? Oh, one of the, and of course another interesting article I saw on Dig was that basically they're um, they're uh, disabling some of the features. So, for example, apparently for the first like week or something or first few days it said that you could add calendar entries into the calendar on your ipod touch and then all of a sudden it got dropped from the website and started changing so that 
you can't actually enter dates onto your calendar on your iPod Touch, which is pretty crazy. That's pretty non, very non-Apple thing to do, just sort of like to make it differentiate between the two models so that you buy an iPhone. I didn't think, I thought it was pretty ridiculous. It's interesting to see what they'll do with the 700 megahertz spectrum once they open it up. Because right now analog television is taking up a giant, giant chunk of, of the video of the RF spectrum, especially the UHF band. Right. Um, let me just finish with the iPhone because I should probably finish that topic yeah. first. Um, and then we can talk about the 700 megahertz. Uh, so yeah, so the iPod touch and so, but of course, I, they're going to hack this thing to, you know, to pieces. There's going to be totally new apps, and I'm really looking forward. I'm probably going to get one pretty soon here. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. And, of course, is the Wi-Fi. I just wanted to add the Wi-Fi music store. Really awesome. One of the things that people were, like, outraged about is, like, you know, you can't um, download songs right onto your iPhone like you can... Um, on all the other tele- all the other uh, phone phones that are out there, you know, download music over the air. This is awesome. Everybody has their iPod. They want to be able to just download stuff and have it go right into their music library. Who wants to download over the like? Okay, so I get a phone with Rogers, and I download over the air downloads, and I have this DRM track on my phone that I can't do anything with. What's the point of that? I just paid, like, overpriced. This is awesome. You're paying the same price. You're buying it from iTunes. It goes right onto your iPod and everywhere else. It's great. Um, I think it's really... And, again, it's another sort of ha-ha to AT&T. AT&T has their own thing with that. They have their own little music store that you can download over the air. Apple just, you know, hop, skip, jump right over that, and now they're doing their own thing. So that's really interesting. And, of course, they're doing this thing with Starbucks where you can walk into the Starbucks and it'll actually show up on your iPod Touch or your iPhone uh, what song is playing. Of course, that's only in the U.S. and blah, 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 whatever. But still pretty neat. Like, do do people ask Starbucks very frequently what song they're playing? Apparently so. And, and, And I'm pretty sure right now, I know, like, at the stores that I've been to, it's usually satellite radio that they're streaming into the Starbucks. So it's pretty, you know, it's probably pretty good, you know, track tracking and everything. But yeah, apparently they do get asked quite a bit. And one of the interesting things is, is the shift from, uh, no longer like one of the Starbucks is a big thing. Like people love going to Starbucks, drinking their coffee, sitting there, doing their homework, reading a book, whatever. It's this sort of the social place and one of the things is they've been selling a lot of CDs and music and all sorts of other stuff at the Starbucks. And it's really cool how the the new rec- physical record store, like, it, it's moved online. So all the, like, you buy most music online now if you're going to buy it. Um, and it's neat how the and Apple has sort gonna of... If you're not going to buy it, you're going to get it online anyway. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> but... Um, you know, it's interesting that Apple has sort of created a physical aspect that, you know, it's something to do. You go to the Starbucks, you get your coffee. And, of course, there's a big marketing thing, too. But it's neat how you can go to Starbucks, get your coffee, listen to music, sort of enjoy the music that's at the, the store, and then buy it on the spot. It's really neat. And you can see what the last 10 tracks have been played. And and, and it's sort of the, the Starbucks is almost becoming the record or the... Yeah, the record shop um, of the next century or the next, 
uh, generation. So that's pretty cool. Anyways, you wanted to talk about the 700 megahertz band. Yeah. So in the U.S., they're, when they're going to shut down the standard analog bands, and they're going to move everything to digital. So the thing is, on digital, you can get more channels with less bandwidth because it's all digital. And it's really tolerant to adjacent channel interference, so you can just cram all the stations together into a tiny old block. Now, ATSC supports this thing called, which is... Uh, and of course, ATSC. You can map channels. ATSC is the is the new standard right now. Everybody in North America is using NTSC, um, which is an analog TV format. The new is of course ATSC, which is digital over the air. Just I'd throw that in. Yeah, um, in Europe they use DVB-T, which is an, another standard. But anyway. ATSC offers this, this feature to map channel numbers. So if people were originally used to like watching their station on what uh, channel fifty seven, then like even if the transmitter was technically on channel two, they could map it back and it would work. But isn't that mostly just a software feature that you would just implement? Yeah, that's a software feature, but it's mainly backwards compatible to like like user interface type thing so basically um, when uh, your cable company comes to install the new box they well i guess it's not your cable company yeah because it's just over the air but yeah that's pretty neat that you can just still map it yeah see the atsc is as in basically two main parts there's your there's your video signal which is just the mpeg2 transport stream and then there's the psip which is the program stream information protocol, yeah. And, and basically, that's... the PSIP provides all of the information. Without the PSIP, you cannot access the MPEG stream. Oh, really? So, so it's not just sort of you... this TV guide that's being broadcast to your, to your TV. It actually provides a lot of information about how to stream it. It, it has to because... Right now, NTSC, there's one standard. Actually, okay, there's two standards. There's black and white, and then there's color. But with NTSC, you have multiple resolutions, multiple frame rates, multiple, I mean, interlace versus progress. So the receiver needs to know what kind of data it's receiving. And on a transfer stream, it's not like a, it's not like a program stream where it's encoded in the header because on a transport, it keeps you on going. So right now, from what I've seen of the testing that they're doing HGTV in Canada, there are a lot of ways for this to fail. Basically, if the MPEG stream is up and the PSIP dies, then you have no signal at all because no one can lock onto your stream. And we're in the transition stage right now, and nothing's really finalized. So it's really unreliable at this moment. But anyway, in the U.S., they're still trying to figure out what they're going to do with 700 megahertz. Here in Alberta, there are rumors that they're going to make a province-wide communication system. Yeah, well, okay, so here's what I'm going to say about that. Basically, in general, Canada just follows what the U.S. does. If, you know, I, I really don't see it being any different from what it's going to be in the U.S. Um, and as for the Alberta thing, that's probably going to be like... One, one megahertz of the whole 700 megahertz band, right? So, 
Um, it will it'll be about like two megahertz or so, depending on the channels you need. Now the thing, it's like the new radio systems are tracked, so that means they can just have a specific number of channels and just multiplex everyone onto those channels. Right, so uh, sort of like how on your your family radio family radio systems, uh, walkie talkies or the GMRSs, um, that you have channels, right, and then you have the sub codes, right? Not really. Um, <laughs> the channels are codes? the physical frequencies that the radio is, is using. The sub codes are inaudible audio tones. Now, if you have two people using, say, channel one. And one's on subcode 38, and then someone else is on 27, and they both talk at the same time. It's not going to work because you're using the same physical channel. Now, how this differs is that not is that trunk radio doesn't only use subcodes to identify transmissions. There is a trunk controller. So when you when you key down on your radio, it'll ask the trunk controller what channel I should do, and it'll use the channel, and then the trunk controller will tell everyone else who is using the same channel, which is the virtual channel, what? We lost a bit of Kevin there. Uh, But yeah, so there's there's a little wrap-up of... uh, yeah. What what the 700 megahertz band probably will be uh, used here in Alberta. Uh, so, is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Any dig articles? Are you back, Kevin? Hi, I'm back, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? I'll see what's new on dig. It's interesting. Today's the sixth anniversary of September 11th. Nice. Yes, it is. Is there any news coverage? I haven't seen the news today. Apparently, George W. Bush is going to be withdrawing a certain number of soldiers from Iraq or something. But no one knows, and that's just speculation. I see. Um, I highly doubt that. I'll just throw it in. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, if there's so... anything, it's going to be coming on Thursday. Right. I've heard. Uh, I'm just going to read this story off Ars Technica. Um, blah, blah, blah. Apparently, Greg Joswiak of Apple um, said Apple doesn't oppose native software development at all. So I guess it's uh, Apple has officially blessed hacking the iPhone to bits, as, as Ars Technica says. Well, they're not exactly endorsing it either. Right, but just I, I, there's an interesting in the editorial somewhere around on the internet saying that basically Apple doesn't care that people are hacking the iPhone. I mean, and it's it's perfectly true that um, they should be encouraging it. I mean, they can't because otherwise, you know, it's it's very but sort of like outright encouraging it. It certainly improves the value of the product. I'm buying an iPod Touch knowing that. I'll be able to add software on it. Like, that's what I really want it for because it's going to be a PDA to me. Um, and so that improves the value of the product tenfold for me. Um, so there's no reason for them to be sort of trying to stop it. 
Um, and especially with the iPod Touch, with the with the iPhone, it's a bit different because they do have this deal with AT and T. There there's a certain expectation to keep that phone secure so that it doesn't wreck the network per se. But with the iPod Touch, I think they should just you know hopefully they're just going to keep those updates fairly clean of of stop stop what would you say stop stop the cracking uh yeah there's a word for that stop something anyways there you go anything else interesting on dig that you've seen not really but uh i'll look around interface they still need to the dig comments to it's not any better than it was before They've got a new site design, but comments still bad. Yeah, Dig has been updating their their interface over the fast, you know, last week or whatever. I, you know, whatever. Like Dig is is sort of. I've been using it a bit less. I I like having just the stories, but I've I've sort of lost my interest in digging stories. Like I'll not log in if I'm not logged in. Like I don't really care. Um, one of the features that I'm still waiting for, Kevin Rose, if you're out there, um, is this you might be interested in. A long, long time ago, I was listening to a podcast that he was on. It was probably a year and a half ago. And he was saying that there'd be a feature where you'd uh, log in, and based on the stories that you've dug before, it would recommend to you, oh, um, here's this story, like... Uh, so say I, I dig a lot of Apple stuff. If it would tell me, oh, here's the new Apple stuff, you know, like that would be really cool for me um, to have it have it uh, be saying reporting stories to me that would probably interest me based on my digging habits. Uh, there's a dig article about the interference robustness. Yeah, on ha- I'm on the that Apple right Airport, now. Which is nice. Nice explanation about it. Basically, it's telling you that interference robustness slows down the connection a bit, so it can operate a bit more reliably. Does it just double broadcast packets, or...? Basically, it, it's, it slows them down, and they send smaller packets. So if you lose that packet, it can send that packet again. Not a giant packet that... Like, if you lose the packet, then they're going to have to send that giant packet again. Okay, so it's sending it slower. Okay, the AO 2.11 protocol. To adjust itself, to protect itself from interference. Smaller packets at high speeds. Interesting. Um, yeah, I use it occasionally if I can't connect to something. It doesn't improve distance at all. I, I don't know. It just, I've used it. doesn't yeah, do it doesn't. Yeah, it, it doesn't improve distance. It just makes it slightly more reliable if you're always having problems with in a fringe area. Right. Um, I'm going to do a review of my Axim right now because I'm kind of peeved with it. Um, this is, of course, the Dell Axim. Not that anybody's going to buy it because they can't sell it anymore, but I'm just going to say this because, I don't know, I feel like you're ranting about Dell right now. Um, so I bought this Dell Axim. X51V in about January or February, and I was pretty happy to get it. It's got a really nice screen, or it did at the time. And basically, 
I've been having some major, major stability issues with it. Um, first of all, within like the first week, one of the, the pegs, like it has one of these rubber pegs on the back to like hold it up from it to touching the, like when you put it on a table, so, you know, those rubber pegs. Yeah. One of them fell off within the week. Second one fell off the second week. And it was like, okay, so way to go, Dell. Like it literally was like this sticky stuff that just like sticked on there. And That's how it is on everything. So now they're just gone, and it's like, okay, ugliness. And it doesn't really sit on a table very well either. So, okay, whatever. That's fine. Um, and, of course, the first thing that I was really mad was that it didn't. It came with the Microsoft Bluetooth stack. Like, come on, Dell. Like, it doesn't do anything. You can't even send and receive files with the Microsoft Bluetooth stack. Um, so it was really pathetic. I had to upgrade that. Um, and I don't know if it's because I've been messing with the drivers with Bluetooth. I highly doubt it. But basically, the graphics are, like, totally messed up on this thing. I'll, I'll be using it, and probably every second day, it'll basically, I'll turn it on, the screen will be all fuzzy green, like static. And I'll be like, okay, and then turn it off, and then turn it on again. And then all the icons will just be like fuzz. All the icons and, and the text until you touch it. And once you touch it, it's like back to normal. But occasionally you'll just do that just like working with it. So you'll be working along. All of a sudden it's like fuzz ex explosion. Like, and so yeah, the graphics are, are messed up on this thing. Like the graphics card. And, and the only way to get rid of the, the fuzz everywhere is just to like reset the thing. Um, so I've actually installed the reset button right in my start menu because I have to do it so often. Um, what else? Okay, the Wi-Fi. I'll I'll turn it on and then turn it off. Okay, first of all, this this thing like you turn on Wi-Fi, you'd expect that while the thing is sleeping that it would turn off the Wi-Fi, but it doesn't. So it'll sleep and it'll just sort of soft wake up and like the screen won't turn on. It'll stay the screen will stay asleep, but it'll wake up in the background. You can see the the wireless LAN light flashing, and it'll just do that every ten minutes. You know, waste the battery. If I leave the Wi-Fi on all day, it'll maybe get me to lunch, and then it'll just be dead. So it's like, okay, great. Thanks, Dow. And just in general, the battery only lasts a day ever. What else? Um, the driver will just not be there. I'll load the driver, like I'll enable wireless, and then disable it again or whatever maybe second or third time I'll try to turn it on and just the driver's not there. You can't connect to anything. You know, it's 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 loaded, the light's flashing, but it's not the Windows uh connection, which is what you use to connect to a Wi Fi access point, is just gone. Uh what else? Um so yeah. I don't particularly recommend it. Um it is quite powerful. I can do SSH, but it's really slow and a bit of a pain to use. It loads my SD cards and my compact flash, but that's whatever. So that's why I'm getting an it iPhone. Pardon? Windows Media Player doesn't work any better than it did in the Windows CE days, did it? That, that was one of the things that I was really, really disappointed with. Um, one of the things that like Microsoft has been advertising forever is like Windows Media Player ability to play videos i have tried windows media video you know like seven through ten nothing plays on this thing reliably it's very stuttery um 
I've even used many, many different video things like to play video. The only thing that kind of works is like the Sling Player Mobile for the Slingbox. That works pretty well. Um, but I mean, there's no way you're going to use that for more than half an hour on Wi-Fi. Like that's the longest it's going to last. Um, and yeah, I've used a different couple of different video programs. Nothing works very reliably. So to be honest, it's most of just a, a Tetris and Solitaire player and my calendar. The thing is, though, it doesn't sync well with the Mac. I'll, I'll, Which you would expect. I guess. Um, Microsoft, Windows, mobile. I guess. I was sort of, I don't know what I was expecting. But so I sync to Google Calendar and then I sync Google Calendar to my Mac and that kind of works. But basically that's why I'm thinking of the iPod Touch is that um, once once I hack it together so I can add, and actually it's, this is totally unconfirmed. It's totally possible that Apple will throw it in at the last minute that you are able to add calendar entries from your iPhone. Um, you certainly can add contacts, so that's definitely worthwhile. Like, I basically can only sync my calendar with my PDA. It'd be great if I could sync my calendar well. And then also, because right now I can only sync one calendar. I have about four or five different calendars that I would like to synchronize. That'd be kind of nice. Uh, what else? The contacts don't sync at all. So it'd be great to be able Eight to sync millimeters. Eight millimeters. V- video is gorgeous. Screen is gorgeous. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I really want an iPod Touch. The only question now is 8 gig or 16? 16. Yeah, right now. Why uh, wouldn't you go for it? I don't know. Well, it's a lot. Of, it's a bit more money. It's, it's I think it's like a hundred dollars more. Oh, I think we forgot to mention that Apple dropped the price of the iPhone by two hundred dollars, and then went back the next day and said, "Oh, we'll give everybody a a hundred dollar credit at the store for the previous adopters." That is ridiculous. I'm gonna say that right now. That's ridiculous. I think everybody who bought an iPhone got what they just deserved. I don't think they should go out a hundred dollar rebate. Um, I don't know how many times that I've just been like, well, just like the Axum, I bought it, and that like within two weeks, actually not within two weeks, like, um, I bought it, and then yeah, within a week, or even before it even shipped. Or before I even got it at home, like, it was gone. It was, like, they had extinct the Axum, and I was the last one to buy it. Like, I don't know. It was ridiculous. And there's tons of other things. Like, you know, yeah, you're going to get ripped off. Many times, like, it's going to be $200 cheaper the next day. Suck it up. Like, I think that all the people who bought this iPhone, like, you really wanted it first, so you paid the price. What's the big deal? That's that's the same for any other kind of early adopting technology. Exactly. Just like what we were talking about, HD camcorders. Exactly. Prices go down. Yeah, it was four months. Yeah, it's a bit ridiculous. But, you know, and I think it was a good move on Apple's part that they're going to reduce that price. They're going to sell, you know, they're going to meet and surpass their goal uh, because people are going to just buy iPhones like crazy now. Um Assuming iPod Touch doesn't cannibalize that. But the thing is, is the iPod Touch and the iPhone are so close in price that I think it's like I think the 16 gig model um, is actually the same price as the iPhone, which is eight gigs, obviously. Uh, so you can you can get an iPhone for the price of a new iPod, which is pretty crazy now to think about. Um, I think there's gonna be a lot of buyers of that. I think there is. If you had a choice between the iPhone and an iPod, 
and the service was available here, would you get an iPhone? Um, you know, I probably wouldn't. I've been pretty happy with my Dell Axum in terms of its its um ability to serve me. Like I it's really nice to have just Wi Fi. Wi Fi is fast. Three G or sorry, um Edge is pretty slow. I probably wouldn't, you know. It's just a lot of it's it's quite a, a thing to be locked into a cell phone. I don't think I would ever want to do that in my life unless I was absolutely required to. Um and hopefully Google will change that in the future. But you know I I would probably still buy the iPod Touch, yeah. Interesting. We'll wait for Google to cover the planet in Wi-Fi. Yeah, and I'm sure that will happen next. And, you know, with Hawaii and everything. Next year? That's quite optimistic. (laughs) Next year. Well, so um, is that pretty much it? Is there any other tech news that we've missed that's been last month? I'm sure there is, but, you know, anything major? Oh, our our school got a projector, and it's awesome. It's really bright. It's really bright. The lens here's is separate how, and costs a lot. Yeah, here's how bright it is. It's 52 feet away from the screen. You can raise the screen, turn the lights on, and then another, like, I don't know, 20 feet from the screen on the last curtain that's black, you can still see it perfectly. That's how good it is. It's really bright. It's huge. 10 grand. Awesome projector. It's only XGA, which is a bit annoying. But, but it has a lot of inputs. It has a lot of inputs. It has the full, it has the works. I mean, it doesn't have HDMI because obviously it's not HD, so you don't need it. But, um, it's networking. It has networking. It's interesting what? because it, it, you said it can't do network. You can't, it can't do video. Yeah, I was really, I'm really disappointed about that. It has a network port, but you can't broadcast video to it. So it's just for like turning it on and like controlling it. So you can, which is kind of nice. I set up a wireless access point right to the to the network uh, to the wired network port, so I can log in with my laptop from the audience or wherever I am, and turn on the projector and control it and whatnot. But but there is no video, so that's kind of lame. I I gotta hand it to Sony that or complain to Sony that I just paid ten thousand dollars for a project. Well, I didn't, but you know. You pay $10,000 for a projector and you can't send video over LAN. Kind of lame. But it's really bright. Other projectors have Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. Yeah. Computers already have support for video over network. Right. So, I mean, there's no reason why they couldn't have implemented it. I'm thinking this projector has probably been in the market for a few years and blah, blah, blah. And I think the main feature is its brightness. But it's 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 in the professional grades, so prices don't drop that quickly. Right, exactly, exactly. So, uh, is there anything that you want to add? Not really. <laughs> 7 o'clock? It is 7, 7 o'clock. o'clock. So, um, so, as always, um, I'm Joel Adria. You can check me out at J-O-L-E dot C-A. And, of course, we have Kevin Lau with us, A-H-T-R dot net. Uh, and... I don't know, like we have, we've been really busy with school, obviously been starting and, and lots of stuff to do there, but I'm trying to get used to high school. Right, right. Kevin just joined me at at, uh, the high school I'm going to. So, uh, we may or may not have a website up at radio.htr.net. However, we do of course have the duck podcast website at duck.joe.ca where you can subscribe, and of course you can subscribe in iTunes. You just search for the Duck Podcast. 
Uh, and you can download us there and, of course, subscribe and get all the nice goodies. And, uh, yeah, we've gotten your emails and a phone call. We have. And we'll try and get a web streamer up as soon as possible. Right. I know our radio signal covers about no area. Actually, it's about 15 kilometers. This is, of That's course, deck much. radio that we're talking about if you don't know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so... We, I didn't know we were getting emails, but I knew about one. But, yeah, I, that's pretty cool. Um, we're broadcasting, of course, over Leduc and, yeah, 107.3 FM. Right, Duck? Yep, 1700 AM, as usual. Duck Radio is a semi-satellite, which means it runs special programming when it when we have special programming. And when we don't, it just simulcasts 1700 so basically, when we have Joel Radio, or we have the Duck Podcast, I'll be on this. Otherwise, I'll be a simulcast. That's just that's what I mean by semi-satellite, if you've heard me talk about it before. Right. Yeah. So um, we're hoping to get some more... Uh, well, I'm hoping to do some more audio work. I love doing this, and I just paid a lot of money for all the stuff that I've, that I've set up here in my little, my little studio. So... Uh, we're hoping to do some podcasts pretty regularly, and my schedule for this my schedule for this half of the year is pretty pretty easygoing. Nothing major, so I should be able to do some podcasts. You have afternoons off mainly. Yes, yeah, part of the afternoon, and uh, so we should be able to do that next part of the year, January on. Going to be pretty busy, pretty busy, but we're going to be able to squeeze some episode here or there and. Uh, Etc. Okay. So we'll try and keep it about uh, six to seven p.m. Our schedules, as usual, are not set in stone. Right. This is a course for we'll the keep live. In the area. If you're listening live, you'd know that we stopped halfway between in between tests up at five. Okay. So until next time, this is Joel and Kevin for the Duck Podcast. Yeah.